This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Happy Friday, everybody. As you listen to this, we are road tripping, which we're quite excited about. We are doing our Colorado adventure. We're already talking about next year's adventures, and many of you are writing in asking questions about next year's adventures. And I want to say right up front, we don't know the dates. Many of you have asked, <laughs> right, I, right. I, and especially for the pilgrimage trip, which is our Germany and spa uh, track driving trip every year, which we're very excited about. Many of you have asked dates for next year. And we simply don't know because we have to wait on those tracks to tell us their actual schedule for the year. And then we partner with our friends at RSR and we figure out the dates that work best for the kind of itinerary we want to do. We have a specific way we like to do it. So we figure that out. It's been as early as the first week of June. It's been as late as the first week of October. So it will be in that swath. Yes, it's it is. Just, Absolutely. You know, yep. We do get into rain, but totally. still you can have amazing days even mm-hmm. through November. Mm-hmm. We can, so you know, still do we will things, be doing so. that and we will intersperse probably two U.S. trips in the middle of that. So wait on those. We will be keeping you informed about all these trips because we have so much fun when we do them. We yeah, have so much yeah, fun. They're amazing. I can't wait for the next one. We have been currently driving the brand new GLS 450 for Matic, the Mercedes that we went to the press launch. Mm-hmm. It was actually here in Utah and we did the bouncy bounce mode through the McDonald's drive-thru. If you haven't we've, seen that video, it was on our test drive channel. We've driven so many versions of this GLS, yeah, and we yeah. like all of them. They're the biggest thing Mercedes builds. Mm-hmm. Not the biggest thing. I take that back. They're the biggest SUV for consumers. They're mm-hmm. not the biggest mm-hmm. truck that they ever built. It's not a Unimog. Still, yes. Exactly. <laughs> not not the big trucks. But still, they're, they're very large. They're six or seven passengers. We had the captain's chairs for the second row, which made ours a six-seater. But this has the three-liter inline-six turbo mm-hmm. engine with the 48-volt alternator generator yep. generating 375 horsepower, 369 pound-feet of torque with a nine-speed automatic. And I was passing people up hills. This is a heavy beast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's still kind of a sports car in a weird way. It's amazing how much power. When we had the 450 earlier, granted the 450 we had the last time I think was a little more specced out than this one. This one is about $90,000 or so, 92. Let's see, 92,110 because you get Which the twilight blue metallic and natural grain brown walnut trim. I mean, the, the way you want this, I hate to say it, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the way you want this is over $100,000 because you want the trick suspension that leans into corners and, <laughs> yes, and controls do. the body roll. Because this did not have it, and that is actually the only real critique I have of this, is this is the first one that has not had that suspension on it that we've had. That is all and the difference. also actually. the first time I felt like this was a large thing. Yeah, I Generally, agree. it yeah. controls itself so well that it feels much smaller than it actually is, and you never feel like it's unwieldy. This has a surprising amount of power in 450. I, I mean, the average family, for, look, because we love the big GLS AMG 63. It's awesome. It's awesome. But you don't yeah. need that to feel like this is a powerful vehicle. Or really a high-end vehicle. True. I mean, it feel, No, that's the thing. It's still There's, expensive. I'm taking nothing that. away from the interior experience, which was very, very nice still. But I was aware, because I was so conditioned to the other ones we've had, mm-hmm. that this one felt bigger. And it's because it didn't have that trick suspension. Yeah, that was the only thing. It still has aromatic air suspension. So when you put it in sport mode, it actually still corners at speed. But that trick suspension where it does lean the entire vehicle into the corner... That is all the difference. It's incredible. It is crazy, yeah. You kind of have to have it. So you have to spend more to get actually what you really want. It's like the (laughs) 
polymeter equivalent of it's the spec uh, that you need. German car thinking, ladies and gentlemen, sure. there it is. But, you know, every time we get in, it's sort of like, ah, this is where I want to be. It's, it's a be fantastic in this place to be, but it should be for that much money. I agree. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you're cleaning your car after a summer of hard driving, be sure to wash in a cool, shady spot and use Griot's Garage Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer with Snow Foam. You can also connect the Boss Foam Cannon to your pressure washer and use foaming surface wash and polygloss. Griot's has also just introduced the Cordless Foaming Sprayer. You can create a high foam blizzard with little to no work and avoid wash-induced scratches, which is the safest way to wash your ride. Now, if you need to get bugs off the front of your car, try the bug and smudge remover right before you wash. Or if you've been tracking your car, track spray removes rubber streaks that always happen. The rubber smears and tire chunks come off really easy as soon as you use the track spray. Griot's offers wash and detail kits, which make it easy to get the right products together. Whether you just are doing a starter kit, it's your first time using Griot's, or you're breaking out a foam cannon and you're adding to your collection, Griot's has the right kit for you. Griot's garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquids are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, please note there's a new code. Use DRIVER10 for 10% off everything on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Forrest is writing to us from Pittsburgh. He is dealing with negative credit marks. He's got a 2014 BMW X3 in red with a four-cylinder turbo. And for he and his family, it's the only SUV he's ever driven that he actually enjoys driving. Hmm. Wait till you drive the GLS 450 with the Trek suspension. <laughs> yeah, that would surprise you for sure. But you know what? We're kind of fans of the X3. It's been it's been a pretty good version uh, of that kind of small five-seat SUV for a while. I'm glad you have one. I'm glad you like it. I think that's excellent. They will probably keep that X3 for a while. They have two kids in car seats, and that actually works just fine. It has been, so far, the perfect family vehicle. So he's looking for something else that he can add in addition to that. But what I love is the first sentence of his vehicle history. <laughs> he know. said, some of my vehicle history is an RX-8 with an engine that died way too soon. I am sorry, Forrest, but that is also not an unheard of story. So I'm like, really? <laughs> I was going to say, is that never, really? many of them? That's never happened? No, it happens, yeah. <laughs> he had a 2006 Mazda 3, was more fun than he expected it to be. He had an 05 Cadillac STS V8, mm. and then a Mazda 2 manual, which was also way more fun and lightweight than it has any right to be. Those are always surprising. Those that was actually a great little chassis. He's also driven an 02 Cadillac CTS with some upgrades, 2014 Cadillac ATS4, and an, uh, through a 2001 BMW 3 Series, which drove great. But his budget is what we're up against mm -hmm. because he says he's planning on either paying cash and looking around for $10,000. Where do you look for $10,000, Forrest? <laughs> I'm looking no, around. No, no, you no. specifically no, say, I'm looking around he, for ten grand. He's looking for around $10,000 is what he intends to say. I've got <laughs> roughly $10,000. Not I'm looking to find ten grand because aren't we all, frankly? I'm looking we all around are. for yeah. ten grand. Mm -hmm. uh, he wants to put that as a down payment maybe and then get a small loan for the remainder for a total budget of seventeen dollars to $20,000 okay. to add a vehicle there, not selling the X3 because they like it so much. Love they it. also have a loan on it 
but he doesn't like having a loan mm-hmm. if he doesn't have to. And I suppose none of us really do. It's not it's not our favorite thing. Yeah, it happens, but it's certainly not something we'd prefer. We'd prefer yeah. to all own our cars outright, but that's not necessarily reality. Forrest is also still working on his credit score because it's a little difficult right now for him to get a loan. He's dealing with some negative marks from past issues, but we're, we're working towards that, and I'm glad that you are, Forrest. Yeah, good for you. He says it would be nice if his new car, this new addition, could move the kids if necessary, but that's not a complete deal breaker. Okay. Because he's looking at BMW C3s. <laughs> Which, by the way, right. newsflash, Forrest, and your wife, and your uh, kids, uh, they don't carry the kids. I mean, you could put one kid in it, and now you're done. It is yeah. a two, that, the Z3 is a full-on two-passenger vehicle. There's no even pretending it's anything else. You guys could have an au pair, and the au pair could drive the BMW, and you and your wife <laughs> could drive you the along. Z3. <laughs> it's just a date night car, though. I'm a big right? believer in that. That's great. Solved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get your Z3. Thank you for riding, Forrest. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's looking at Porsche Boxers too. He brings up Honda CRZs with a manual. I love that you brought it up, Forrest, because mm-hmm. that's a car that I feel like we have beat the drum for a few times, and you, it, it just gets up, forgotten. It gets forgotten. It's, like but it's a really cool little car thing. Yeah, but it doesn't yeah, yeah. come up that often. Mm-hmm. He also mentions maybe I'll get another RX8 because the one he had died before he was ready to be done with it. Don't get another RX8. I, just. No. Just don't. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. You, look, there's. I'm sure there is an RX-8 owner listening right now who would like to tell us about how great their RX-8 is. And, and I will say, they having, are great. having driven them, they're awesome to yes, drive. Yes, But the number of people we've known who were like, well, frankly, like Forrest, where the engine just grenaded at some point, there are actually quite a few, which is too bad. This reminds me of our recent Mazda conversation for mm-hmm. Mazda to, to do more with an inline six. Yeah. They could bring back, and they've teased the RX-9 and, and sure. the, the next generation concept. They could do something like that because it was a useful vehicle. It mm-hmm. was a niche kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Coupe with the doors that, yeah, really oh, you cool. could actually get in more, more easily. Right, yeah. But in your case, for many people, you could put your kids back there. But at this point... We'll just wait and see what Mazda has <laughs> we'll, in the future. We'll step away from the RX-8. Get the RX-8. He says cars that interest him that are out of his price range include the Z3 Coupe version or the M Coupe because he's one of the two people who thinks it looks fantastic. Three. Three Forest. One of three. <laughs> you already said. <laughs> I actually think it looks pretty cool, but all I, right. I do. I, I'm including you, me, and Forrest. Okay. That guess, <laughs> I guess we us. are the three. I guess that's fair. Yeah, We right. like it here. Mm-hmm. GR86, uh, which is probably the one he wants the most. Mm. But he doesn't like the style of the GT86. Interesting. Okay. All right. He's interested in GR Corollas, C7 Corvettes. That's the only Corvette that he thinks looks great. But the the criteria that he sends us, he said, it needs to be not unreliable. <laughs> and not get terrible at, at gas mileage. At least not unreliable. Sorry. Yeah. Le- <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, so he's essentially saying, please... Please don't give me a project. Now, Forrest, I would like to mention that you brought up thinking about another RX-8. <laughs> right. So the, the bar like, is pretty low, you buddy. You started it here. The bar is very low, but you've, you'd like it to be reliable. You'd like it to get decent gas mileage because this will be the car you drive for work. And you are also in sales and you sometimes go to people's houses with your car. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. can't look like something completely from outer space. It can't be Superboy Racer. It can't be super rundown. It can't be your old jalopy project car that yeah. your proud runs, but it you know dropped all its oil in front of their house. It can be none of these things. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm yes. going to call the... 
truck and this towing company. Where's this right storm now? drain go? Because all by oil went down it. Sorry. Yeah, that's all bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drain straight to the ocean, just like it says in California. <laughs> Not good. No, that's why he moved to Pittsburgh is because he started this new job in sales. And so I understand you want to put your best foot forward here and really make that impression. But when you are in sales and people answer their door or see what you drive, mm-hmm. there's always the perception issue that you've got to deal with. You yeah, always for have sure. to for sure. balance that line between, wow, this guy's making too much money or mm-hmm. appears to be, or you haven't done well with your business. And why are you driving sure, that old thing? And sure. why are you not seemingly successful mm, at mm. your job? Or park down the street, which would be my conclusion. But <laughs> yeah, just Uber Lyft everywhere. Right? <laughs> did you drive here? I did, but my car's parked elsewhere. <laughs> exactly. Can it's, we talk? It's coming soon. <laughs> He misses a manual transmission. Getting a new one isn't a deal breaker, but it's a plus. Okay. And another option for his suggest to us would be to daily the X3 and then buy his wife another SUV. Hmm. Because the X3 fits all the criteria well. It's reliable, gets decent fuel economy, and looks professional. Okay. You're right, but then you'd have two SUVs in the family and it doesn't seem like you really need it. Well, and he doesn't really want it. He says that the reality of that option is the fact that he'd really rather not put a ton of miles on the X3, which his work would do, because mm-hmm. his wife likes it so much, likes driving it so much, he'd be the one wearing it out, and ultimately, he prefers smaller cars. So I don't think that option really works. True. He would consider buying another Mazda 3 because he liked it, but at this point, he, he admits it just looks like an old Mazda. Hmm. He liked that Cadillac STS, but let's go ahead and leave that in the past too. He says he realizes he's owned a lot of Mazdas, and he's also owned a Mazda 5 that he just now mentions. Remember those? Those are the little not-quite minivans. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm almost, I want, yeah. when I grow up. Yeah, for sure. So he's leaning towards a CRZ because it isn't a luxury car, but still looks newer in his opinion, and you rarely see them, mm-hmm. so he would guess mm-hmm. the average person wouldn't really know how old they are. Yeah. True. You would save a lot of money. Yes. And you would do well on saving money on gas. I don't know. I'd, I'd really have to know more about your job and, and that kind of thing. I mean, you're going to be driving a lot, so I, I suppose you could. I think I have a better car for you, though. Okay, good. Forrest. Good. I'm starting with the Toyota Corolla XSE hatch. In manual, the problem is it gives off a sportier vibe than a more professional vibe. Okay. It just says economy, but leaning towards sport, but that's kind of what you want. And I like that it's newer. I mean, the CRZs are good. Mm-hmm. They're they're just a bit older. And I, I'm just wondering where you're going to have to find a really nice one and therefore pay more for it to give off the impression of professionalism. You can't get the cheapest one you can find and faded paint and not sure. that well cared for. Well, that's going to be key for all of these, for sure. There's a yes. tipping point with yes. these. It's just old enough where most of them aren't in the best condition anymore. You got to mm. do something to your paint or you find a real nice one, which means it hasn't been driven a lot, which means it's going to cost you more. Now we're dealing with more money, so... Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering the balance there. So I'll start with the Corolla there. We'll leave that aside for now as I move to the current generation, the 11th generation Honda Civic Si. Okay. Which I think would be perfect. That does say the right balance mm-hmm. of brand new, shiny paint, great color. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's a Civic though. It's it's sensible. Yeah. It yeah. looks really sharp. You could even go Civic Touring for a bit less. Is that really what you want? And and well, and prices are a concern for the SI. That would be my concern. Yeah, there. prices are up there, and yeah. we're dealing with your your credit score and mm-hmm. and trying to get a loan. I'm just wondering about would it be easier to get for you to get something newer? 
because generally speaking, lending institutions like to do brand new if possible. Fair. Like that is a fair point. Old. That is a fair point. Probably you, have to pay cash for a CRZ. There's no loans in, on that yeah, one. Yeah, he would, he would pull off a better opportunity. You're right if he, if he was doing that. That is the problem when you go back even 10 years, mm-hmm. a lot of banks won't give you a loan. I mean, my credit union's been pretty good with me because they, you know, I brought, I was like, I want a 2006 Lotus Elise. And they were like, you want a what now? So I had to bring them documentation for what it was, what it cost, how they hang on to their value. This is when they were 30 grand and now they've <laughs> gone up. Let me introduce you to British Seriously. cars. So no, let, I won't. I had to explain that car to them and then they were like, oh, okay, we'll back that. But a lot of credit unions, mm. a lot of banks, if it's over 10 years old, you may have trouble getting a loan. Paul's right there. Whereas a lot of new car dealers... If, if you have credit that's even okay, and I realize you've got some issues for us, but you have mm-hmm. credit that's even okay, they want a deal. The problem is you don't want to wind up at a buy here, pay here lot. No. Because those no. can get scary fast and you end up with, with loans that are really difficult. So be careful there. My final suggestion here for you, Forrest, is for you to investigate Acuras. Mm, okay. I went searching autotempest.com slash every day and you can get 2018 and newer Acura TLXs mm. for 20K and under. Interesting. Okay. Some of them are higher mileage. I found one with 176,000 miles on it. So I'm not concerned about the ones that are 60 to 100,000 miles on sure, them. Sure, sure. And they're the new front end. So the new style is 2018 and newer. Okay. Yeah. It has the current Acura real tight, sharp Doesn't looking have the front beak end. Is what we're saying. More beak. Yeah. And you can get these used, like I said, between 50 and 100,000 miles. It just depends on where you are in the country. But these do send a professional vibe. The problem is they're not the manual. Mm-hmm. However, they're new enough and they're going to be reliable enough where, you know, it's not an RX-8. You're not going to be worried about this true, being true, stranding yeah. you. Mm-hmm. You can put the miles on this car. Please take care of it, but put on the miles, keep the paint great with Griot's products and really make a nice impression when you pull up in an Acura TLX because it doesn't say European and I'm driving the latest Mercedes that I leased and I shouldn't have because now I'm paying too much. (laughs) It says sensible. Please make this sale. Please make this (laughs) sale. (laughs) I think it says sensible, but Mm -hmm. still luxurious, but not too new, but still new enough. And you it's a fine line. Yeah, it really is. And that's why I think this is the sweet spot. The problem is you are going to still have to bring some money, but still they're still new enough where I believe a lending institution, if you put half down, Mm -hmm. would lend you the other half. If you get them $20,000 and under, I think this could be the sweet spot. You're just going to have to work the deals. And I like that you're continuing to work on your credit, but I think this is where you need to investigate. This is interesting. Forrest, I've got a few others for you. First off, I want to stop on the Honda CRZ. Forrest, you brought us the Honda CRZ. That so may cool. be a first. Yeah. That's really cool. And I really do like them. I think they are underappreciated. They have a good six speed. They're they're not the most dynamic thing ever. Here's here's the thing I want to put them in, and we talked about this when we originally drove it and compared it forever ago. It is more dynamic than you expect it to be when you hear what it is. Mm. But it isn't a hot hatch. So I want you to, to have the right parameters there. It's got a really it looks good, like one. It's got it a really isn't. good six speed. It is surprisingly fun to drive because yeah. it's just a little hybrid pod thing. 
And then you mm-hmm. drive it and you go, this is actually pretty cool. I think but cool. but you can't come in going, I bought a sports car. Because it's not. It's not a hot hatch. It's it's a lukewarm <laughs> hatch. Get your hopes cool. down if you so think that's. <laughs> get your hopes down. Anyway, that's good. So I, I think I want to put, put you in that pr- parameters. <laughs> get your hopes down. <laughs> Just go ahead and get your hopes down right oh, now. Oh, that is funny. But uh, so I, I think that's a worthwhile one. I will say if you're going to look at the stuff that isn't all that usable, like the Z3 or the Boxster, I think both of those are viable. I kind of lean more Boxster because I think uh, you're just going to enjoy that more, and I think it probably will be a little bit easier to find parts for and keep running, even though our experience with Z3s and Z4s has actually been pretty good. I'm going to give you two other used options that I think they're used. I know they are, and we're going to have to figure out, can you get a loan for the other half of this on Mm -hmm. these two ideas? But I also think, even though they're used, they're unique enough that I don't think people are going to know how old they are or aren't. And one is the Mazda Speed 6. Turbo all-wheel drive sedan. Now, I have seen Hmm. some of these that they're trashed. And And when they get trashed, they look really old. But when they're nice... I think they're a little bit timeless, and people don't know what they are. They just like a, look like a cool driver's sedan. Mm-hmm. They're sleek, but they're not overly flashy. You can get them in manual transmission. They're twenty grand or less. Be sure you buy a nice one that's been well cared for. I was looking on Auto Tempest, and I found quite a few. They're out there. The only issue I know about those is it had the same engine as the Mazda Speed 3 of the time, that 2.3-liter turbo. There were some issues with people that drove them really hard and tracked them and stuff with overheating issues. I know there are workarounds to solve that because they put this engine in a different placement and they had to figure out how to get air to it. But when we drove the Mazda Speed 6, I always liked that thing and it was really cool. So Mazda Speed 6 is an option for you. Even just a straight Mazda 6, they're still new enough. They're out of production now for us. True. But... The more recent uh, Mazda, the, the more six. recent ones, yeah. still yeah. are those were are surprisingly still good, good looking cars enough, as well. It says mo- modern. I also think because you're a BMW guy, here's what I thought of: the 135i. Hmm. That is the little M3 of its era. So we're talking 2011, 2012, 13, somewhere in that range. So we are talking a 10 year old car, but I don't think the average person has any idea how old or new that car is. And it's a mm-hmm, good mm-hmm. generation of BMW. This is this is kind of the mini 1M, if you will. It's not as good as the 1M, but you can afford it. Yeah. If you're really lucky, you can get the 135i S, which is very hard to find. And that is almost a 1M, which is really cool. But the 135i is a surprisingly fun car to drive. It looks very classy. It's somewhat timeless. You can get it in manual. It's a good era of BMW. I think since you're a BMW guy, that's a good option as well. And then you'd have an all BMW garage. You would, which Sweet. is not typically where I like you to go. But I do think it's an option here. Moving on to our next debate from Jared C., who writes, asking us to help save him from his car. This this is kind of a scary email, honestly. The more I read it, the more I was like, this is like a Stephen King horror novel. Oh, my god! It's coming after you, man. <laughs> Jared accidentally acquired the fifth generation Camaro. <laughs> accidentally acquired. It's like it showed up on his doorstep and the bill's with it. It's like, sorry, this is yours now. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed and I'm, I accidentally acquired this car. He bought it two years ago. It's a 2011 2SS in Inferno Orange with the six-speed manual. Which sounds like everything you would want in a car. And to Jared's point, he says, this is exactly the car he was hoping for. It's a car he dreamed about. It's in the right color. It's in the right spec. He's like, I got exactly the car I wanted, a beautiful car. (laughs) However, you hear the ellipse? Because the ellipse is coming. The ellipse is going to hurt. Yeah. (laughs) Not only have his needs for a car changed, 
but this car rivals his monthly rent payment in repair expenses, and now it feels like a personal attack on his wallet. Okay, so the roof over your head is matched by repairs on this car. I don't know what you are having to pay to own it. I don't know what you're having to pay to put gas in it. We haven't even covered that yet. This is just monthly repairs are equaling the cost of your Out rent. Of Camaro. Mm-hmm. The engine dropped a valve, he writes, while idling in the garage. Oh my gosh. It blew the motor up within 30 days of ownership. The dealer didn't honor the warranty, so after a lawsuit, oh my a gosh. year and a half of his time without his new car, and an extra $15,000 on top of it, he finally got his car back, but excited that it would be brand new again and last forever. Okay, so hang on. I don't know what you bought this car for. We, we yeah, aren't he did not say. That. But you you had that 30-day warranty from whatever dealer you bought it for. Yeah. The engine grenades itself in the garage. The Idling. dealer will not honor the warranty. Who knows why that is. You go to court. I'm not sure if you won or lost because ultimately he, you have your car <laughs> gone paid, for six months. You still more. were $15,000 out of pocket. And now you have your SS back with a new engine and you think, that was a traumatic experience, but let's move on. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Since he's gotten the car back, it's broken one thing at a time each week, right as he finishes fixing the prior issue. <laughs> it's like it's like you're having that experience where you keep finding the new weak link. There's 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 a dozen weak links, and one of them breaks. You fix that, and that reveals just the new weak link. This is where the novel yeah. takes a dark oh turn. Oh my gosh, it's coming for you, man. At, at this time of writing to us, he says, after this past week, the tie rod end fall, fell out of the knuckle <laughs> on the highway and bent each and every suspension part in the front end. You can't see me laughing, but I'm laughing out of horror. Honestly, yeah. He says after spending too much money to make it drive again, he is terrified of every bump in the road and wobble that he feels, and he is now determined this car is trying to kill him. Yeah, or your or your budget or your chance of ever actually affording anything else ever again. Yeah. At this point, Jared writes that he thinks he needs a change. <laughs> I don't believe the, there's the word <laughs> I think was at the front of that sentence. We're still not to a final conclusion. Yes. I don't know why you haven't actually jettisoned this car before writing. Reached a decision, yeah. but he loves the car. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's hard. Now he needs to get to work and back. He drives 90 miles per day, and he's currently spending way too much money on gas for the V8. <sighs> but he loves driving it in the mountains when he gets the chance, except he's fearing each bump and wobble uh -huh. like you wrote before. Uh -huh. Yeah, for sure. And he says he needs at least as much space as the Camaro has to road trip and travel across the country back to wherever his uh, his family lives. He's 23. He currently has no family requirements for a vehicle. He'd like a manual transmission, but would consider an automatic with all of his commuting. How much pressure are your parents putting on you about the car? Because the next thing is <laughs> your, offer, your parents have kindly offered for you to buy their 2019 Subaru Legacy base model for a really good price and no interest. And I, and I suspect, I, I don't know, but just, hey, I grew up as, as the crazy car guy in my house. I suspect, Jared, there are conversations with your parents going on I... that mostly are, the thrust of those conversations is, why do you still have that Camaro? <laughs> and out of that has come, do you want our 2019 Subaru Legacy for a great deal? And you said, that's incredibly generous. But you say, mm. and I'm quoting, you have never driven a more boring and slow vehicle. Could be smart and reliable to do so, but... <laughs> Wow. Boring and slow, yeah. smart and reliable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What balance on the scale outweighs the other? Yes. 
We are assuming a budget of about $23,000 on the high end, and this includes the Camaro being sold. And which sounds like should have happened already. Who's yeah. going to buy that car? I, I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't that go in the Carfax when you get the engine replaced? Yes. That, that'll show yes. up, will it, it not? should, it should. And people will see that and be like, oh, no. Well, or they'll see it and be like, oh, good, this car is sorted. I'm not sure which one, but yikes, <laughs> Or scary. I can get it for less. No one listening to this podcast is <laughs> oh. buying Jared's Camaro, yeah. Jared likes the new Nissan Z, but that's out of the question because of cost, and please not another Chevy. <laughs> Why? What? What on earth, Jared? <laughs> His car ownership at this point, it's pretty long, even though he's only 23 years old. He had a Chevy Colorado, Audi TT, uh, the 225 Coupe, manual transmission, uh, an Audi B5 generation S4, twin turbo V6. Okay, cool. Ford Focus ZX5, Audi A6, Genesis Coupe, the V6 O, and this uh, aforementioned 2011 Camaro SS. Hmm. Most, of the, most of your cars have been... Manual transmissions. Well, Almost maybe about half and half. Almost all of them. It's 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 good. And a lot of Audis in there too, Ooh. which is interesting. Yeah. Okay. Insurance is an issue for you at this age mm-hmm. still. And that that's going to come into consideration, even though I, I'm hoping the car that I have found for you and that I want you to have is doable. Maybe we can save some money and so you can afford mm-hmm. the insurance, but still you're driving a Camaro SS. Yes, the insurance is bound to go down on almost anything, I'm, I would think. I'm yeah. wondering. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's going to be a newer car for you, it, yeah. you know, insurance companies still look at a Camaro SS going, well, first of all, it's Camaro. Yeah, and there's a V8 <laughs> in there. And you got the yeah. hot engine. Yeah, so for sure. Absolutely, yeah. You know, ratchet up your price here. I thought about you going to look at GT86s because I think GR86s are just out of the price range for you, but that does make sense. But we are going to stick to the budget here, 23000 on the high end. So I went looking and I found many BMW 2 Series coupes. Mm. A 2018 BMW 230i is $19,469 with 58,000 miles, Jared. I also found 2016 BMW 228i's with manuals. That's right in the sweet spot for you. They're un, they're 20 and under. Maybe real nice ones are 21, but most of them are in the 17 to 20 thousand dollar mm. price range with still decent mileage. There many of them aren't even 80 or 90, which is great. It's a smaller car. <laughs> it's funny because. We could reverse this. I mean, you, your email could have said anything about BMW and the engine blue and, and no yeah, more BMWs. Sure. And I've had a bad experience with what BMWs. What I need is a big Chevy V8. <laughs> and let's just go with a reliable Chevy <laughs> yes. small block. Yes. But that's not been your experience. True, yeah. So if you take care of it and you get a BMW, yeah, put the miles on it. Keep it well-maintained and go drive one of these cars. And I think, even though it's newer, mm. it's sort of like what I wanted the Camaro to do for the sixth generation. Get okay. smaller. Okay. Yeah. It drives smaller. They're lots of fun. But the other reason that I'm suggesting a two series is because we go to Germany and Belgium every year. Yes. And RSR rents these cars. Even though the mechanics take good care of them, they get beat on all the miles are hard miles there's no like easy going miles on those poor cars yes yes so again even Mm -hmm. even though i'm suggesting a bmw despite your reliability issues with an american chevy v8 i want you to go after the bmws because these mechanics they take care of them they well maintain, and then those cars are thrashed by all kinds of drivers, good and bad. You're right. That's a very. They good take point. the yeah. abuse from the bad drivers, yep. and then they take the abuse from the really good drivers who really put that car on the edge, and they're still running after many years. Those are mm-hmm. still in mm-hmm. fleets. 
even the early cars, those 2016, 2017, the two series. So I looked at 228Is. I mean, I'm not going after power for you because you've had some powerful cars here. I want a good driving experience for you. Yeah. yeah. Automatic, manual. You choose what really suits your commute and, and what your needs are. But I think you'd really enjoy that. And it, it'd still be fun, but you didn't pay 15000 extra dollars for fixing the engine that Anyway, that's horrifying. just a horror story. It's, it's horrifying. Jared, I yeah, I, I cannot believe you wrote while still being the owner of that SS, but I, I realize it's because it's your only car. I'm hoping your parents are listening I, to this and they're wow. they're rejoicing like, okay, don't buy the Subaru. Anyway, I'm Get gonna give something. you a, a couple thoughts, Jared. And first off, I'm gonna I'm gonna go here. You said your your dream car, your your new car you really like is the brand new Nissan Z, and I'm gonna ask this question of you. What about a three seventy? Oh yeah. They've yeah. been around for a decade. That's one of the things we made fun of before the new Z came out is how long are they going to keep selling this new Z? But that's to your benefit now because you can get all kinds of them for your budget of under 20 grand. That's I've, good. I've got pages and good. pages on Auto Tempest right now. And the truth is the new Z is not any kind of revolutionary change from the 370. And there are options out there for your budget. Manual transmission, you would you would like that car. Do not get the convertible. I'm scrolling through pages. You can't even see it, but I'm scrolling through pages right now on Auto Tempest. You could still get there a Z There are so many. You could get the yeah, Z you're hoping like for, that. and you could not you could not take a big risk on it because they're out there at all kinds of budgets and, and, and years. So you could chase the older Z. I am going to say get a good pre-purchase inspection on whatever you buy next. Mm-hmm. And really pay attention to that pre-purchase inspection. What do they find? Maybe you did on the last one, but just worry about that as well. And then I'm going to echo something that Paul said, but I'm going to dig in a little further. You like the Camaro. You like the the engine. You like the dynamics. You like the usability of the 2 plus 2 plus the trunk so you can drive cross-country. You like everything about it except it's not reliable and it uses too much gas. Mm-hmm. So I really think the answer here is first-gen GT86 or the FRS or the BRZ because it has mm-hmm. all the usability you've had with your Camaro. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I would argue that it probably has more space inside than the Camaro does. Yeah, I don't know how they I did bet that. You that the, it's amazing. I bet you that the trunk and the back seats would provide you with more usable space to do long cross-country stuff. Most people, not us, we're at altitude and we drive very hard and we put bigger tires on things, but most people I knew that were at lower altitude that had a first-gen GT86 FRS or BRZ were getting the better part of 30 miles to the gallon. And yes, while those engines had some known issues, most people never saw those known issues. Okay? So I also looked these up. You have so many choices at your budget. BRZ, GT86, or FRS. What year, what mileage, what budget, what location. Of course, I'm always looking nationwide on all these searches. But I really think that does all the things you like about your Camaro and removes all the things you haven't liked and hopefully also all the horror stories. On Instagram, AlexHC09 saw his first Nissan Z in the wild. Have we seen any running around Park City? Have you seen any? No. I haven't Just seen the one that one. we had was the press car from Denver. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't seen any others than that. Yeah. A shout out to Jim here in St. Louis, Missouri, who just emailed. He says he's seen a wide variety here, including mm. many daily driven SUVs, G-Wagons, Aston Martin SUVs. T-Rexes, lots of expensive cars, <laughs> but he has seen one gray Nissan Z so far. Jim, really appreciate it. Thank you for the the update. Yeah, we're just uh, we're just not seeing them. They're just and, not out there. It seems like it's weird. I mean, when did we have ours? Was it two years ago or was it last year? It was last year. Yeah, it was last, last year, year, right? Yeah, because we had it, it when we had like our eighty six. 
and we put it with our 86. Because it came out the year before that, and we're like, yes, all right, we we'll felt like we were the last people to drive it. We <laughs> drove it, put our video out, and there's still nobody with them. It's the weirdest Just. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Amazed. Jordan is asking, he's saying, let's say we get one year-long, long-term press loan car from overseas. What forbidden fruit car would we love to drive and review for a year? And I have my absolute answer. <laughs> I know with what No you're hesitation. Choosing. I know it is. Alpine A110. Yeah. That, that would be a really good what, one. Let, what's, the stuff we would do with that for you, there would be so many road trips. That would be the most well-traveled in the U.S. Alpine A110 ever. Yeah. Not only would it be probably the only one. one in the nation, it would go everywhere. I would I would figure out road trips on road trips for that thing. I'm just, <laughs> just I'm fascinated just by it. Leave, lock your door, just leave with your toothbrush. Yep, we're, exactly. We're going. There's yeah. there's some little eddy no, of, of, is... of wind behind me and I'll be back sometime. The dogs are like, Where are you going? That is good. Who's because... gonna walk us? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> uh yeah, you know, you think of all the Renaults. Well, Alpine is Renault and uh Yeah, we still get quite a lot. I guess all the stuff that we see in Germany and Belgium when we go mm -hmm. are the hatches that I don't know that we need here. We're, they're intriguing, but are they different enough that we yeah. would want to drive one for a year? That's a great yeah, point. I don't know. Like yeah, the, yeah. the Alpine A110 is a genuine contender. Yeah, and it's and it's different. It's and, different. And I was surprised this year because I feel like, because of course I'm a little bit obsessed with this car, I guess, but I've, I've read plenty of, of reviews, people that I trust. I've watched plenty of videos on it, and I was surprised because I feel like some of the commentary on that car has been mixed. And I was surprised to discover two things in the last year. One is that Gordon Murray, master of chassis setup and mm -hmm. crazy fun cars, uses an Alpine A110 as his daily. That's quite an endorsement. That is the an endorsement. The second thing yeah. is when we got to the ring this year, there were actually quite a few people that were clearly like, I come to the ring a lot. Those guys that take their car and make them just track prepped enough to run the ring all day, there were quite a few Alpines out there. So that I mean, told me that they must be pretty cool. Most of them are wagons like the Ardeon shooting brake and the Genesis see a lot G70 of that. Yeah, yeah. shooting brake yeah. and the i30, or no, i20 and i30Ns. The i30N would be great. That, that would that be, would a, be a really one, huh? good one. That's that's an overlooked uh, hatch here. Yeah, I did, I have, that. I, I will admit, possibly too much excitement about the reversal of fortunes to hear about some of our, our, I'm actually kind of sorry for you, some of our European listeners who are sad they will never get the GR Corolla because we get it and they do not. Yeah, but they've had the GR Yaris. They've had the Yaris, but I've actually heard that most people talk about the Corolla is like the one you want because it's more usable. I mean, the Yaris is I tiny. Suppose. The, I mean, yeah. that powertrain in the Yaris is like, yes. whoa. Yeah, it's craziness. Mitchell Edwards on Facebook has a question that relates to Brian's question on Twitter slash X, and that is, Mitchell says he wanted to show us a photo, and he sent it, of a WRX at his work, a brand new one, where the person that owns it painted all of the body cladding a color to match the color of the car, and it looks great. It looks fantastic. It looks like the car should look. Instead of feeling like it's related to the Outback and not sure if it wants to be any fun, it actually looks like a WRX good-looking fast Subaru, which is really cool. So thank you for sending that photo. It is nice to see. And Brian is asking, what are our thoughts on the new WRX, preferably with painted body cladding, versus the last-gen STI? Mm, now, mm -hmm. the new WRX is a more modern engine from Subaru. It has a surprisingly good torque band to it better than the older engines from Subaru, and you get all the new tech. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How much of this is important to you? Because the STI is crazier and more old school. I mean, it feels old at this point, but it is. it drives well, and it's got a lot of that 
you know, that Subaru history and feel about it. It has gravitas, if you know mm, what I mean. Sure, sure. That the, the, the new WRX doesn't. And of course, if you get the premium versions of the WRX, it's only available with the CVT, which is really kind of shocking. If you really want all of the interior niceties, you wind up in the CVT. So you have a lesser version to get the stick shift, which is a little the crazy. CVT's the luxurious choice. Yeah, exactly. Dang Everybody's cho- choosing that. So this is another question as well. I think as a daily, I'd rather the new WRX. As a fun car to build on and thrash, that's when the old STI starts to, to rise up a lot. Be a good license tag for an STI. Thrash. There you go. I like that. And over on X as well, Ted Theologan asks for the logic behind some coupe doors being Hmm. frameless, the windows being frameless. He understands for convertibles, but why on some coupes? It depends a lot on the design. And this is where, Ted, I believe that the designers win. Hmm. To be able Hmm. to execute some of the designs. A great example is the McLaren Artura. To be able to, for, for those doors to operate they and still be slim and and still execute a, a nice slender a pillar yeah yeah and those windows actually drop quite a bit in the door when you pull on the door handle first they drop quite a ways to be able to clear that roof line but same thing on 911s and caimans mm-hmm. it, it helps them execute the design and keep those lines more slim but there's other examples like manufacturing issues i mean mostly where you see them are a lot of larger sedans and certainly SUVs and wind noise is a factor that that definitely helps. But now the way the windows seal, they can make it actually a a little bit slimmer. And I think it's really all about design because when you do the convertible version of that, you would have to change so much with engineering to execute the same thing. So Cayman and Boxster, you can keep the same kind of look because those windows will glide right up into the convertible mm-hmm. top yep. and then and they kind of need to do that so that they're not you know they're not frameless and then you have kind of a, a strange shape yeah but then to execute the same look and keep the manufacturing at a cost without doing something totally different you need to do the same thing on the Cayman mm-hmm. same thing with the 911 that's where all the convertible versions and the Targa versions come from it's almost like the convertible version to be able to execute it is driving the coupe version of that car you have too. to make one door you can't make multiple i see that for the convertible variants yeah some of it is structural you know some of it is manufacturing and a lot of it i do believe is really design uh, in general, uh, like I said, a lot of different, uh, I, I'm sure each car, especially new ones are decided upon, like, how are we going to execute this design and can we do full frame windows? But that does add a lot of cost to the car too, a lot of weight and cost. And it, but it does make, it does cut down wind noise and make it, I feel like more luxurious when you're inside. But I think so many times they're trying to simplify or to your point, they're trying to make a really narrow roof line mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. where do you put the door frame yeah i mean aerodynamics do come into play and then you could argue greater visibility in some cases but again that comes back to the a pillar and uh, a slimmer roof but any any frameless that you see sort of you know are, are there convertible versions of that mm. not all of them are and then you get into the very slender and almost b pillarless kinds of shapes those are real popular yeah. in the 90s yeah, yeah. and 2000s and then, uh, yeah, you, you're kind of forced to. Speaking of uh, luxury and Mercedes and many of the things that, that, that I thought of while we're talking about frameless windows, because I've been in a few luxury cars I was surprised were frameless windows. I thought, wouldn't this be more luxurious with a full window? And that brings us to Bradley Lee Jay's question, 1983, on Instagram. He says, is there any Mercedes sold right now? This is a shot, my friend. 
that is under 3,500 pounds in weight. And I think you're right. I don't think there's any that are under 3,500. I think they're all heavy. He said, Mm. you just heard about the new AMG GT that got an 800-pound increase. Yes, we're astonished by how heavy that car is going to be now. He said, these cars feel like they're going to approach three tons if you make them EVs, and you're not wrong. I mean, all cars are getting heavier, and then the EV variants are getting wildly heavy. He said, is there a breaking point for excess weight? Is there a place at which the industry shifts on behalf of things like roads, parking structures, ferries, etc. Brad, I think it's going to take an outside force to shift this because what's happened is we want more luxury, which adds more weight. We want more safety, which adds more weight. This is the reason the Lotus Elise is so very light. It has very little safety and no luxury at all. As a result, quite light, really fantastic. But but this is the thing. We, We want luxury and we want safety, and so things get heavier, okay? So that's happened. Then, once you get into EV powertrains or crazy powerful turbos, the average person isn't aware that the car got heavy. If the average person Mm. were driving a car and it felt heavy, then there'd be kind of outcry from the general public, why why do cars weigh so much? What do we do? But the powertrains have offset the sheer weight. The average person isn't slinging a car around a corner and going, well, this feels heavy. They just want to accelerate past the 18-wheeler, and the powertrain Mm -hmm. overcomes the weight so they don't even notice. Also, they want to be very concerned about weight. Then you have the, well, what about that guy factor, which is, well, if he's driving a massive SUV that weighs 14 tons, shouldn't I? Shouldn't my kids? People don't buy smaller, lighter because they're worried about the guy next to them. I mean, me, when I'm driving the Lotus and I'm next to a guy in a dually, I want to get out of his way. I don't want to be anywhere near the dually because he weighs three times what I do. So we also have that thing where as everybody got into SUVs, everybody's ride height went up. So everybody else bought another higher ride height thing because they want to see around the guy in front of them. The only thing that changes this, and I'm thinking about the 1970s in the U.S. and the gas crisis. The U.S. had been building steadily bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, huge road-hugging weight cars. And then there was no gas. And for the first time ever, gas mileage mattered. And for the first time ever, Mustang too, the car makers in the U.S. said, we should make small stuff. And also, this was the entry of the Japanese cars to the U.S. market, and they sold like crazy because they were small, well-engineered, and got great gas mileage. Yeah, Subarus and Hondas were pouring into the, U- the U.S. This is th- There yeah. was a crisis moment outside of the car trend mm-hmm. that caused a shift. I don't think the shift to EVs solves weight. I think it exacerbates it. So I think it's going to take something outside of this to make car makers and the general public go, we need smaller, lighter. And to be honest, I'm not sure what that could be. It's because you identified it. The average buyer doesn't really care what the car is because they're not looking for that in Mm -hmm. their driving feel. Mm -hmm. The car turns and cars that have marginal steering feel that you and I would consider, it's not great, but I feel maybe a tiny bit might be the sharpest thing many people have ever driven. Most people don't want steering feel. They, they, they don't. They, they want, they want, they want the car to turn in, but Lexus they don't want to have any idea what the an car is. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> this Fair very point. thing. Yeah. Come by Lexus. We'll isolate you from the... You might even fall asleep. No, and it'll run forever. Yeah. And it'll run forever and it'll be great. Yeah. yeah. So then when it's super heavy, you don't notice it as long as it's fast in a straight line, right? Mystic Negro on Instagram asks about Chris Bangle. Mm. Chris left BMW. He said his job was to push BMW's traditionally stayed design way forward so people wouldn't scream at the next guy. <laughs> I'll be the target. Bring it. <laughs> Who is Adrian Van Hoydunk. 
Mm. He didn't buy it at the time, but he now can 100% see the evolution of the E90 whatevers into the F3 whatever cars, Mm. generation cars. Have there been any BMWs where one model year did way too much? Or any cars, he says, where one model year went too far, but the next generation refined the themes to be pretty. He has a postscript. This is not a defense of current BMW design, which Mm. is a mess. And to quote a friend of his... (laughs) All BMWs used to look kind of the same. Now they don't even look like they came from the same country. <laughs> well, and they just... Whoa. The, the grills is the craziest thing. And and I drove by an IX in town recently. Not, not an IX. What's the one that uh, that is the electric SUV other than the IX? What's that one called? I forget what it is. I want to say it's electric. the IX. But I thought anyway, it was the IX. It is like the IX because the one that we had that was crazy was the XM. So it was the yeah, IX. Yeah, that's the I XM. By the IX the other day. Yeah. And it has the huge beaver teeth on the front. And at that point, I'm sorry, it's clearly not for cooling because that's an all-electric vehicle. Mm-hmm. The argument when the huge beaver teeth came out was we need it for cooling. <laughs> And then the IX you has didn't it. didn't in the 90s. Well, but the IX has it as big as, the, as everything else. And there's no, by the way, they have the rim that's closed in. Yeah, it's just so a So now panel. it's just, an, it's just it's, an eyesore is really what it is. You don't need it for cooling. There's crazy. Just the letter I, sore, I, There you sore. go. Yeah, exactly. There you go. There's a missing model. BMW <laughs> likes to split the lineup. I like it. I'm amazed that so many people, Mystic Negro, know Chris Bangle by name. That is interesting, isn't so it? So rare yeah. that even mild car enthusiasts have heard Chris Bangle's name and know that he was a car designer and know that he worked for BMW mm-hmm. and know that point. It, he created controversial styling that you're right. Now we're all looking mm. back on flame surfacing with fondness. <laughs> Man, did Chris get it right. <laughs> we we <laughs> thought it was bad, but we didn't know how bad exactly. it could get. Yeah. We clowned him at the time, but man, is that pretty. Mm. I say... Mercedes has gone through the same problem through the 2000s Mm. and then their cars got pretty again because they use surface and they use highlight and shadow. They're not using Mm. line and sharp crease to define form language, which is where BMW has gone. But it's almost like BMW has run out of ideas. They just sketch some cool things and well, that looks cool. But besides the the style guide, Hoffmeister kink and the the beaver teeth, Mm -hmm. the kidney outlines, what about that style is particularly BMW? I'm even seeing it on their brand new. What's that new uh, uh, EV that they're introducing? What's that thing called? That, oh, the thing that's supposed to be the new EV3 uh, series, the, the design yes. one in white. Completely yeah. different. Yep. Completely di- different proportions and sheet metal. It is the BMW M the, the new class is mm-hmm. what it's called. I'm I'm seeing the the M3 EV version of that, but really nothing looks too BMW about it to my eye. It looks like a sedan shape, but you put a different badge on that, it'd be believable for that badge too. It feels reminiscent to me of the old 6 Series from the 80s, that Shark Nose 6 Series. Sure. feels like it's got some design elements of that. I guess it's, it's just the new class yeah, is what yeah, it's called. Interesting. Okay. The Vision New Class concept. There we go. That debuted at the Munich Motor Show. I mean, sure, it's, it's slightly different, but mm-hmm. proportions are very similar. And other than that, that face... Okay, so I feel like Hyundai has gone to, uh, by, by doing Genesis, they have gotten beautiful. Mm. Doing mm. Genesis when they were underneath the Hyundai brand, it was just another iteration of a big sedan. But now, I do think a lot of the Genesis surfaces are truly beautiful. Yes. Interesting. I, I have two that I thought of. Two different generations of the same car. 
and that is two generations of the Corvette. First okay. off, the C4 Corvette was the one that came out with totally different styling. The C3, the third gen Corvette, was the Coke bottle 70s one, right? Yeah. Coke bottle shape 70s one. And this, the C4 comes out, and it's this rounded off shape with a huge digital dash. And it was really controversial and so different. But if you look at the difference between the early C4s and the late C4s, the late C4s, they kept refining that body style and it actually became pretty aggressive and great Mm -hmm. where it felt a little bit kind of too smooth and soap shape liked when it first came out. But your eye had to get used to it. I don't think at first people were like, whoa, what's this crazy robotic looking thing? And my next one is the current gen Corvette, the C8. Mm. When it first came out, all of us, including the two of us sitting here, were like, "I do I like this? Do I, I, there's stuff that I don't like, and we're all struggling with it. But just so far, the Z06, an improvement. And I think the E-Ray is an improvement as well. They're mm. just refining in the first few years this first new version of the mid-engine Corvette. I think both of those have been helped by time, us getting used to it, and also them refining it. Mm. Last question here from Mark Dillman. What is the correct hand position for steering wheels with thick spokes at the nine and three positions? It seems like most of them. You're right. Do we still put our hands at nine and three and have your fingers resting on the spokes? Yes, because the paddles are usually back there, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Or do you move them up a bit to two and a half and 9.5? <laughs> well, hopefully they've got that that shape to the steering wheel that kind of holds your thumb, Sculpted has the thumb rest shape. on it. Yeah. yeah, agreed. But generally nine and three, I'm, I'm kind of default to that just because I'm used to driving a PDK, yeah. but I still do that on a manual transmission car. I just rest my fingers lightly back there, but you shouldn't be death gripping the wheel anyway. Yeah. Instructors will tell you when you get in the, the, the car and you've got an instructor next to you, they look at your hands and they want to see as light touch as you can. Mm-hmm. They want to see fingertips, not death gripping the steering wheel. They, they want you to be able to quickly move, have quick hands, Mm-hmm. which usually means fingers and, and just the, you know, the, the initial part of your palm there. Well, I will more rest my, my, like my thumb pads on those crossbars than I will grip the wheel with my hands just wrapped around the back. That's where I often go. The Lotus has actually got a really nicely shaped steering wheel set. So works really well. That is something to certainly think about. Bruce B. is writing in and saying, hang on a second. Weren't we discussing the new Mazda inline six and the vehicles it could go in? And weren't we talking about it existing in the CX 90? Yes, we were. And then he brings up the obvious elephant in the room question. Why were we not sent that engine? Why on earth would a manufacturer make a new engine like that and proceed to send as they did with us, the PHEV four cylinder at all? Why would they do that? Are they hoping for us to review it with new interest later in the model years? Look, at the press launch, I'm sure they were all in existence, and the one that everybody gravitated toward at the press launch was the straight six. Yeah, yeah. They want people to be reviewing the other one, and we get most of our press cars from the Denver press fleet, which doesn't necessarily get the latest and greatest variant, as we just started on the top of the podcast. all of the variants. Talking about the 450 version of the GLS, okay? We didn't get the the 63 sent to us out of Denver. Well, we we have in the past. But we had to request it. Yeah, maybe we'll have another one. And we may, and that's fine. But my point is, they want to have all variants driven. Mm -hmm. And so the one that they happen to have in our local press fleet was the PHEV, and we were surprised by that, but we are still quite intrigued to drive the the straight six. Guys, thank you for all your questions. We really appreciate it. And write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com for your car debates, your Topic Tuesdays, and your car conclusions. Mm -hmm. And we are always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.